All right, what's up, New Covenant? You guys look like you're doing good. If you don't, if you're not doing good, you're fooling me, right? It's a great day. We've had great worship. How many of you liking this fall weather? It's, it's teasing us. It's playing with us. I think it's coming. So it's so nice, so refreshing. I'm Pastor Chuck. It's my joy to share the word with you this morning. And before we get into the word, let's say hi to our North Campus, everybody online. Guys, we're glad we're all together sharing the word of God together. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, you guys enjoying this series, uh, Bold Moves on Faith? You guys enjoying this series, Bold Moves on Faith? I know you were busy. You were shuffling stuff around, you know. So here's the thing. If you get down, all you got to do is read either Romans 8 or Hebrews 11. Just a little tool there, a little kit, a little, little, little key there. If you get down, just go read Romans 8 and or Hebrews 11. I want us to go ahead and go to Hebrews 11 because that's where this series is in. Uh, it's coming from. It's, on, it's a series on faith. And you just start reading. You know, when God wants to tell us a principle, he, tells, he, he shows us a bunch of people. That's how it works. So God uses people to illustrate his principles. And we see this, this, uh, this, this list of people in this uh, hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Pastor Stephen's been preaching now several weeks on this. And I want to pick up in Hebrews 11, verse 32. Hebrews eleven thirty-two. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Wow. Sounds like an action movie to me. And so I want to pick out of this list, I just want to pick one character. I felt the Lord uh, prompted me to share on this character, and that is the character of David, King David. And uh, David came to failure, came to fame, not failure. He came to fame and prominence as a very young man. He was probably Israel's most famous king, uh, and, you know, and he brought Israel to this place of prominence as a kingdom in the Old Testament, and he's also famous in many ways in the New Testament. Uh, he's, he's part of the lineage of Jesus, too, so he really belongs in the hall of faith. But he came to uh, prominence as a young man when he slayed the Philistine giant, Goliath. And everybody's heard. How many of you heard the story of David and Goliath? Okay, if you've been in and out of church, Sunday school, whatever, David and Goliath. Okay, so it's interesting. There's a lot in there that's really cool, and there's a lot in there. It's like, if you really tell the whole story, do you really want to tell this to little kids? It's kind of it can get a little bloody. But let's read portions of it. It's First Samuel 17. If you want to look at the whole story, it's in First Samuel 17. But I don't, I don't feel like we've got time to go through the whole chapter. I just want to read significant portions of this story. In 1 Samuel 17, 4-11, it says this, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. I think I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Let me see if I can find a visual here to help us out here. So, nine feet tall, right there. And you go, yeah, that looks tall because you're short. Well, 
You can come up here if you want. We'll see. Actually, I was probably about David's height because back then they were a little shorter, you know, and, and uh, this is nine feet tall. Now imagine you are David and you're facing a guy that looks like that this is this tall, okay? Freak of nature. I'll put it back. Sorry about the absence there. Let's keep reading about Goliath because you think, ah, oh, maybe he was skinny. Let's keep reading. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. Not too thin. He also wore bronze leg armor and carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear of the spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Here, here's a proposal. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Can you imagine why? Who's going to be this guy? Okay. This, this, this valley is between them. These two armies are arrayed day after day after day. Now, David's brothers were in the army. He was the youngest of, I think, seven brothers. And he, they were out there fighting. They were in the army. They weren't fighting. They were in the army. He was back home tending the sheep. He came to bring them some food. And he heard about this taunt. Now, if you read the story, you see what happens here. And it says, this is very interesting, I'm not going to show it on the screen, verse 20 says, every day for 40 days, the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield, they would break camp, we'd go to the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Now, I don't know about you, but I just thought that was kind of funny. They know they're not going to do anything. They're just going to stand there scared. But before they leave the, bat, the camp, they're getting all psyched up. Our God is an awesome God. God rocks, let's go. And, and it's like, and then they just stand there. I ain't going, you going, I ain't going. I ain't doing, nothing crazy. So it's, and it, it's, like, it's like what we do. We, you know, we, 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 get the, we get all hyped up, you know. Yeah. Sometimes we can do that in church. You know, we get all these great songs of praise and great messages and great scriptures. And then when it comes down to the day of battle. I'm doing that. None of my business. So David saw it, and this is what he said. He talked Saul into letting him go fight him. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord, look at the language here. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. This is where it gets PG-13. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He's not done. Then all the assemblies shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Man. I don't know about you, like, you know, I'm not like super athletic, but I like to do stuff. 
and I'll play, you know, I'll play team sport, basketball or volleyball or softball. And so I, I can talk smack. I mean, that's what I do. I just start talking smack. I'll say, look, look, man, I just want you to know it's okay. I just want you to know when this is over, you need to feel good about yourself. You did a good job. The score, you know, and I just try to get in their heads. Okay. That's all I, that's all I know how to do is just get in your head. And, uh, man, I'm talking about smack. This guy was talking some smack. Like, you're going down. He's a, he's, do you remember how tall this guy was? So, so what in the world? Think about this. And I know you probably have. What gave David this confidence? Because it just didn't make sense. The guy's got an armor bearer. He's got a, he's got a sh- huge shield, and, you know, bigger than David probably. I mean, how in the world... And, he, and as you know the story, he went out with a slingshot. And he slung the sheen, He slung the sling. It's hard to say that. He slung the sling. And the stone went in there and hit him on the forehead, knocked him down. Then he went over and took his own sword and cut his head off. And so Goliath, you know, represents, I think, a culture of intimidation, obviously. And it can be intimidation. I mean, we face it all the time. We face intimidation maybe you know, on your campus or in your, your family culture, your workplace culture, just society today. It's the voice that says, where is your God? Yeah. It's the voice that says, You're, it's not going to work out for you. You know, it's that voice that comes to weaken you and to challenge you and look at me and look at you. Look how strong I am. Look how strong we are. Look how weak you are. Look how few you are. That's that that's culture of intimidation. So, so David, they, the, the people of God, were whiners, and David emerged a winner. I've seen, a bit, I, I get around Christians sometimes, and it's like, I hear a lot of whining. It's really bad out there. Yeah, it's really bad. Oh, let me tell you about this. Well, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you how bad it is. Over. No, let me tell you how bad it is over here. It's like we've become good at whining. David didn't whine. He went, figured out how to win. When they were running from the battle, he ran towards the battle. How did that happen? Why did that happen? How do we become that person? Well, first of all, the issue for David was God. And he, notice the language. He said, there is no way this is going to work. What you're doing, Goliath. There is no way he was absolutely confident to run and, if necessary, put himself at what others would consider risk. Because he saw that the issue was the, the honor of God. Amen. You have defied the Lord and you will go down because you have defied the Lord. Now, I don't know if you believe that or not, but history proves David right. People don't stay long defying God. But there always has to be somebody who, are, who, are, who is one of God's people to go face that and challenge that. And David, in his day, was that guy. David had, he had learned to uh, win his smaller battles. If you go, if you read the story, he went to Saul and he said, look, Saul says, you're just a kid. How are you going to face this guy? Listen, I, I ran off a, a lion and a bear for my dad's flock. Guys, listen, let me say something to you. When you win your smaller battles... Then you, that gets you ready for your bigger tests. 
Those little battles matter. That may not, I mean, that might be, that's kind of a big battle too. But he was ready. He saw God already show up in his life. Pastor Stephen talked about Abraham a while back. You know, Abraham had some ultimate tests, but he passed smaller tests before he could get bigger tests. Interesting side note also, he, the Bible says that he took five stones and he put them in a shepherd's bag. I think that speaks of the power and the need for the local church where there are godly shepherds to help care for us and watch over us and protect us. We're going to win our battles when we're not fighting them alone and we're coming from the context of the people of God. So this is, some people could say, well, this is just, that's David. You know, he became the king of Israel. You know, you, I'm not called to lead a whole nation. Well, let me just say something to you about all these people in the hall of faith. I want you to be very clear about this. They are not there so that we can look at them and admire them. The Bible is not silent about their frailties and their failures. They are not there, though, so, but for us to go, wow, look at Abraham, look at Moses, look at David. It's not like the Marvel superheroes. You know, we watch them and go, wow, we like Superman because we know we'll never be Superman. We'll never be Iron Man. We'll never be whatever, Captain Marvel or, Super, or Wonder Woman if you're a woman. But that's not what these are about. This isn't the pantheon of superheroes that we can admire from afar. They're there for us. In fact, one of the scriptures I like is Daniel eleven thirty two. It says, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Now, if you read Daniel 11, it's, it's an interesting passage. It was, this was written during a time, it was a prophetic word about the future but the future would be a time of difficulty and, and, and challenge. And the people of God would be under attack when this prophecy was given. And, it, and, and it, was, it was referring to a future historical time, but it was also referring to a future time called the last days that we're living in. And so this is what's going to be characterizing God's people. Not just the superheroes like Abraham and Moses and David, but every Ordinary people who know God. This is, what, this is what's going to be characterizing an ordinary Christian. They will be strong. They're not going to be whining all the time. They're going to be strong, and they're going to carry out great exploits. It does not say they're going to be watching the signs of the times to really get, get down to when the, Jesus is coming back exactly. We're going to be reading what the rabbis say so we know when the exact time of the second coming is. It doesn't say we're going to be hiding out, hunkering down in our bunkers till the Antichrist is done doing his thing. It doesn't say that. It says when the times get difficult, this is what we're going to be doing. We're not going to be running from the battle. We're going to be running to the battle. Carrying out great exploits. What are the great exploits? If I can be successful today... In sharing the word of God with you, you will be asking God this question. What are the exploits, God, that you have for me to carry out? Because that is what is the nature of our God. David faced Goliath because he said, this does not comport with who God is. This is not how God's people act. This is not how we respond to these kinds of challenges and blasphemies and, and attacks on who our God is. So we respond, and this, and I know God is not going to put up with this. And all he needs, I am absolutely convinced, he, that I don't think David was that good with a slingshot. 
I think it was pretty good. I think that God just needs a projectile in his hands. He just needs something that he can work with and somebody that he can work with. Hallelujah. Acts 3, my last passage. I'm doing on time. I got a little time left. Acts 3. I love this passage. Acts 3, starting in verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. Here's the part I like. But what I do have, I give you. Amen. See, it's so easy to look at the battle, look at the challenge, look at the task that's daunting. I don't have what it takes. He, he acknowledged, I don't have these things. And I don't have what you think I need to have to meet what you think is your need. But I do have something. What I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So I have seen, I didn't grow up in church. and I, So I, when I came to church, I started going to church as a young man. And I saw kind of the religious world from outside, kind of an outside view. I noticed some things. And I, one of the things I noticed was what I would call a false humility, where we posture. And I believe in humility. Humility is very important. And, and, and it's, I, I, I pursue humility because I know that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So humility is most exercised not when we posture as, well, I'm just nobody, you know. Humility is most exercised when we are humble before others we're all spiritual before God but when we're real with others that's a good sign of humility when we're transparent when we, when we receive and ask for input from other people we're not just living our life in isolation it's nobody's business what's going on here that attitude that's, 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 that's really can be pride but we posture in humility and we say things like well don't look at me don't look at me brother I just don't look at me. I just want you to look at the Lord. But Peter said the opposite. Look at me. Look at me. That's not pride. Because here's what Peter knew, and this is what you and I must know. They can't see him. They have to first look at us. They can't see who he is till they see who we are. And, and here's, the, here's the attitude that says, look at me. I have something you want. Now, let me just say to you, we believe in the abundant life, but here's the, here's the abundant life. The abundant life is not, I have something I want. The abundant life is when you get to the point where you say, I have something you want. God says, you're the light of the world. Did you know that? God says, let your light so shine. 
God says, I want you to find the most prominent way you can think of to shine your light. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's what God said. In other words, you need to be putting yourself in prominent places. You need to be going around going, who can I get, who can I get, how can I get people's attention? Look at me. Can you say that? Are you saying that? Sometimes we say we're posture is falsely humble because we don't want people looking at us because we're not dealing with stuff. We're still compromised. We haven't sold out. But when you sell out, here's what you become. You become one of God's people. You become an ordinary Christian, which is extraordinary. Do you know what the word saint actually means? The word saint in the New Testament comes from a Greek word, means a thing of awe. You are a sight to behold. Jesus said in Hebrews 2, I and the children whom God has given given me, we are on the earth for signs and wonders. You are meant to be put on display. You are meant to be put in a prominent place. God wants to exalt you. God wants to raise you up. God wants to use you. Why? Because you have what they need. You have the wisdom they need. You have the strength they need. You have the faith they need. You have the love they need. You have the moral compass they need. I don't know about you, but when I was lost, my moral compass was really jacked up. People, I hear Christians go, ah, these, look how they, look what they believe. Yeah, they're lost. That's how lost people act. They act lost. Jesus said the person who's in darkness, they don't know where they're going. I understand how a person can say it's a, it's a loving thing to not bring a baby to birth. I understand that. That's how dark your mind, you know, abortion is a compassionate choice. I understand how somebody could say, you know, it's, it's smart to live together before you get married. You got to try before you buy. That's personally, that's perfectly rational to a pagan. And I was a pagan. So what do you do? Well, I tell you what, it's not what they're doing, what they're saying. I never, I never. I'll tell you, the world's going to hell and hell. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> what good is whining? Run to the battle. Love people. Go after them. Give them answers. You have the leadership. You have the leadership. If the, if the leader lives in you, you have the leadership people are looking for. God's people are going to carry out exploits in the last days. We're not afraid. We're not afraid it's going to... People in trying economic times, people are starting businesses. People are starting leading life groups. They're putting themselves out there. People are interjecting themselves into other people's lives in love, not pushy. How are you doing? How can I help? Why? Because down on the inside, we know we have something they want. We have something they need. Do you believe that about yourself? Do you see yourself that way? Guys, that's life and life more abundantly. That's living on purpose. That's living intentional. That's way beyond survival. That's way even beyond success. That's significance. And can I just say this to you? If you know God, you are that person. 
The people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Not the people that have supernatural callings. Every one of you have a supernatural call. If you know God, if you know the great one, the resurrected one, the healer, the life giver, the strength giver, you have wisdom himself living inside of you. You have knowledge himself living inside of you. That's why I spend time in prayer because he might let me in on something. And I'm listening. I want it. I want it. Gosh, I'm getting so excited. Sorry about that. This is our day, guys. Listen, this is our day. The hall of faith is not in here. So we can go, wow, look what they did 3,000 years ago. Look what Peter and John did. No, that's not why the Bible's written. The Bible's written so we can stand and take our place in the hall of faith. And here's my question, and then we're going to close. How many of you today on both campuses and online would say, I don't, Pastor Chuck, I don't want to just read about the hall of faith. I want to be in the hall of faith. How many of you say, I want to be in it. I want to take my place. If that's you, I want you to stand up. Stand up wherever you are, both campuses, even if you're in your living room. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up before the Lord. God, we stand up before you. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. And God, we just stand up before you. And we thank you, God, that you just use ordinary people. You're an extraordinary God, and you just use ordinary people. And when you live in us, we're not ordinary people anymore. We're extraordinary people. I want God to show you who you are. I want you to let God show you the extraordinary life He's called you to live. Extraordinary. Intoxicatingly, amazingly good. God, we just submit ourselves to you. And I thank you for the army that's standing before you today. I thank you for the army that's standing before you. Now there's so many stories being written. We, we don't have enough room in the Bible now to write them. And I thank you for the exploits that are going to be carried out now in the days we live in, in these troubling times. I thank you for the exploits, exploits, God, that are going to be carried out in Jesus' name. To say, say it to the Lord. Lord, I want to carry out the exploits you have for me. Show me what those are. Come on. Let's let your faith rise up. Everyone, you've been called to do exploits. We run to the battle now. We praise you, God. We bless you, Lord. And everybody said, amen. Let's praise you. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We want to come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.